Hello and welcome. This is the Regenerative Life Podcast, a space that's been curated to help you live, learn and lead in a way that's nourishing for you, kind to others and great for the planet too. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and I am so excited to dive into this week's episode. Hi. Hi. Happy New Year. Thank you. It's it's um, off to a good start, I think. Uh, this podcast or 2021? Um, look, the podcast has got off to a slow start, but <laughs> the year's going all right. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone what the schedule was for tonight that's now been ruined by your many outtakes of this podcast? Look, we were on a very tight half-hour turnaround for the podcast, so we could be uh, comfortably in bed by 8.45. With a banana buckwheat chocolate crepe. Correct. Because it's my uh, bleeding time and I always have to have chocolate banana crepes when I bleed. And in solidarity, I will enjoy a crepe with you. And the crepe and crown situation. Crepe and crown, um, but not at the rate we're going. No, this is never going to get finished. I mean, we'll literally not say anything of substance at this rate. So what are we doing here? I was going to say the 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 intro and uh, the delays are symptomatic of probably what we're talking about. <laughs> so we're going to do a little wrap up of last year now, twenty twenty. Mm. Just you know, just another year. How was it? Just another year. How <laughs> same old? How was it for you? Um, look, it was a roller coaster. I think every day as a parent is a bit of a roller coaster and this had a lot more thrills built into it good and bad yeah so i wonder what were the good and bad for you uh yes i think i mean we do this most nights when we're reflecting on a day and, and we sort of talk about the top top three bottom three um so i i kind of like to think about last year in those terms um or just throw them at you and (laughs) i mean i was there so you don't have to throw them at me (laughs) um look bottom three b3 um you know i think navigating parenthood in isolation was really challenging particularly given um the sort of health issues we had with Millie and so Millie's our four and a half year old um and that's that's been sort of a um a journey over the years but really came to a head sort of in the second half of last year you know and that's around sort of sensory processing and behavioral responses to to overwhelm um so, and physical health, and I mean, physical overlaid health. with physiological things going on. As yeah, well. definitely. Yeah. So that was a real challenge for the second half of the year, particularly given the world around us and you know the lack of supports and all the rest. Um, I think B three, you know, my sort of health and motivation, particularly as the year went on. Um, so I was getting, you know, a lot of back pain and wrist pain and um you know some gut stuff as well um and just not not thriving it and that sort of was a reflection of 
you know, how I was feeling a bit as well. And, you know, I was very unmotivated as the year went on in my work, especially. Um, and just the lack of inputs that I was receiving and I certainly wasn't generating or, or seeking those inputs either. So, um, yeah, it was a, a just sort of a, um, a spiral sort of inward and, and a closing down in some ways. Mm. Um, and be th- do you think that was a response to overwhelm though? Like, is uh, that, is that shutting down like a response to overwhelm? Uh, I think partly or too much responsibility. Yeah. Partly. I mean, that sort of coincided with, with Millie's health and just the, you know, parenting on, on a knife, on a knife edge really. Um, so partly that, and, and partly like I was saying, just, life is normally meant to have different people, diversity, um, a range of, um, experiences and, um, and those things just weren't happening. It was very habitual and routine and all of those things were happening within a pretty small perimeter of our house and a pretty small community around us. So, Mm you know, those two things, yeah, different weighting, but, yeah, definitely those two things were, were the drivers. Mm-hmm. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. You asked me a question. No, no, but I'm just saying it. Yeah, well. This is pretty much what happens every night too when we have this conversation. But, like, this T3B3 process that we do, right, it's like um, I, re- I read a thing the other day. I was talking about how for women to feel that emotional intimacy um, and then for their partners, male partners, to feel um, that sense of connection, that having like a scheduled T3B3 is actually really beneficial. I was like, we came up, we pretty much invented that, we didn't. But we figured that out before I read the book and I was really proud of us for figuring out like how to, unlock the emotional intimacy on both sides but also giving you prep time so that Mm. you weren't being like backed into a corner of like i'm ready to have an emotional conversation and you had no warning no fair warning about it um and so then i would be disappointed because you weren't ready (laughs) or or, or desired to have that conversation yeah it does need to be ritualistic i think Mm. um that's really important Disappointed though we didn't write the book when we unlocked the formula for these conversations. But anyway. Disappointing we didn't write the relationship book before we had kids because it would have been a real, like, um, a a really one-sided depiction of relationship. Would have been a very easy read. Yeah. Page turner, real page turner. Um, Rapid fire. Um, One, it's hardly a rapid fire, but I'll do it in a rapid way. Just... A bit of a, I got in a bit of a funk about the state of the world, I think, and just the systems that we live in from capitalism to patriarchy, just everything conspiring to make the world a worse place. I think the global pandemic really shone a light on a lot of those things. Um, and yeah, I, I just felt really frustrated with the world as we, well, maybe not the world, but particularly the society and the culture in which we sort of 
exist within. Mm. Um, but there's good things from come from that. So anyway, but that was definitely big. You just really piled on, didn't you? You really piled on yourself by like then at that moment in time when you're going inward and there's no diversity and your body's falling apart. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a deep dive into patriarchy at this point <laughs> by listening to podcasts about it. It's so much time for podcasts. Though. So much time, but it's, but it's also interesting because I think I had that last year about climate change. No, it was after Nell was born, you know, four, four to six months after Nell was yeah. born when you're really in that hormonal bottoming out situation. And I, and I, do, I deep dove into climate. And, um, and you know, in a lot of the deep ecology work that I teach and that's part of our ethos, it is really about learning how to be with that grief. And so I'm just wondering and curious, like moving into your T3s, how you feel about that now, um, because there's also an element of shame and complicity in it all, I think, that that mm. is part of why it's so difficult to process and digest the enormity of that grief. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, digest is a good word. I struggle to digest it physically. Um, I, I joke that I'm quite lean because I have an awareness of all the privilege that I have and it's quite a burden and it's really... <laughs> It's really, you know, it's a bit shameful as well. Um, wh- what's been my response? Um, coming to tease, yeah, as in top three for the year. You know, it's definitely, um, uh, it's a real motivator now, I think. And, you know, I probably had that, maybe not the same level of awareness, but it, you know, I was, I was very motivated by some of the ills and problems of the world before being a dad. And then, you know, your priorities kind of shift and your capacity changes dramatically. But coming out of last year, I'm very much resolved to spend the time where I'm working on the issues that matter to me and that I care about the most. So, yeah, that's definitely a, a positive to come out of the year. Mm. Just to bounce back to bees, though, I know this is B4 and this is against the rules, but um, Chester, mm. um, our dog, died um, what, just after Christmas. Um, and that was, yeah, that was devastating. But anyway, that's... There's no real silver lining to that other than we need to really hold hold close what we what we love and um and and value in the world because it is very short. So also I think the the silver lining is that that grief is an expression of love and I and I knew that. I knew that so deeply and at the same time I hadn't had an embodied experience of it with the level of awareness I have now. And so um it was horrific and at the same time like when I think about the love it's extraordinary and the gift that he gave us was that unconditional love and I think that you take that for granted um and for me moving into next year I really this year fuck what year is it um I really am remembering him in that unconditionality and first and foremost for myself but um yeah extending and rippling outward from there and just how magic that is Mm. you know um 
Yeah. Mm. So anyway. Um, rapid fire teas. I think you know the one that I just talked about. So the the sort of the zeroing zeroing in on what's important, and and that will mean for me probably moving away from salaried employment to you know more work with you and um, really sort of focused. Um, focused project work and and designing some courses around um, around learning for individuals and organisations based off you know our experience and and what regeneration means to us. Um, so that's really exciting. So that's a real tea. You almost like had to reach that rock bottom of like no motivation and just overwhelm and for you to like bounce back onto your soul's path because I think that you're an extraordinary father and um, at the same time I think that your imprint and blueprint is to self-sacrifice and abandon yourself um, to please others it's not to say that parenting is not a really high value of yours and I know that like wild schooling and setting up the wild play group and all of that is part of your plan for this year too but I think that what I'm really seeing in you now just over this little period of not working is um your desire and my desire to support you um to find what it is that brings you that nourishment and regeneration um as you have done for me for six years you know and that's your i keep saying to you this is your year of healing and your year of like soul journeying and i'm so excited about that for Mm. you thank you um yeah i'm very excited too um and you know it's it's an iterative process isn't it you know i've I've, was just having some conversations today like i've had so many different jobs and experiences and you know that's a real privilege and i want to keep growing and learning through that um tease yeah, probably about self-growth and a, a greater awareness around listening to my body and what what um, what my physical experience is trying to tell me about my emotional experience because it's not a a linear connection it's in not my a seamless conversation in my brain too, is it? No, there's a few. It's a bit muffled. There's been some um, some soundproofing that's been um, undertaken through the years, but trying to tear down some of those walls. That's a really good analogy. Mm. Loving that. Good one, man. <laughs> um, tease. Yeah, uh, wild schooling, living outdoors. Um, you know, the blessing of being sort of stuck where we've lived for a long time last year was that we live somewhere really beautiful and we have so many incredible um uh outdoor classrooms around us and you know for our girls it's just incredible and that's where we're meant to be as humans and it's where i want to be a lot more as well um and i think every adult child person should be so um yeah setting up a a wild play group Mm. um 
that's just an informal thing and it's going to be a, a sort of intentional community that we're building through through a really positive experience. Um, so that's three. I think there's been a lot of growth in our relationship as a T4 just to balance out my my additional B4. Do you really think there's been a lot of growth in our relationship this year? Oh, totally. Totally. But growth doesn't always mean like... Um, incredible journey Mm. like growth is you know hard times and um rubbing against you know frayed edges and you know if not in an intimate way um i think it's been well i think that's part of the learning and growth isn't it like it's been really taxing you know everything that we've had to sort of navigate this year yeah um and intimacy yeah, it definitely takes a hit when, you know, you're parenting 24-7 and working in the pockets in between of the very few pockets in between parenting because yeah. there's nothing else. Well, and we and we kind of work side by side in similar things sometimes where mm. we will do a couple of project contracts together this year. So it's, yeah, it is intense. And um, I, I think... I think there was a really big shift towards the end of the year, actually part of the silver lining of Chester's death was I think it's brought us closer because it illuminated in me a really big pattern that um, I really needed to change and I feel like maybe you don't sense the outcome of that but that I feel really different in the relationship because I've been making a really concerted effort not to emasculate you, not to undermine your capacity, not to blame and shame you for when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And um, that has been a pattern in our relationship since we had kids and I have so much compassion for me in that and, and your response to that, which is to go into your habitual patterning, which you can talk about. But I, I think that that movement and then being willing to talk about that um, has been really... I can I can feel that growth and I can also see the resilience that we've built through the year through that extraordinary challenge that as a foursome as a family I feel very connected we know each other so intimately because we haven't been able to move away from each other at all this year and um and we're much better at being all together we're much better at being out in nature for really extended periods of time and I think we're getting, each of us are getting better at articulating and negotiating our needs among everyone else's needs. I agree. Mm. Um, I'm really keen to hear your highs and lows for the year. Yeah, so. Because we're still in the rapid fire section yeah, of this conversation. I think this is going to be the whole conversation. That's cool. Um, bees, I think. There's, it's hard to really pinpoint. I think, um, you know, I've talked about it in other podcasts, but the experience of walking alongside and being pushed to grow by a four-and-a-half-year-old whose soul is here to do things, um, it's taken me beyond my edge. And what happened in taking me beyond my edge is I had to meet all these people parts of myself that I'd shoved away like the part that's a bit different the part that processes things a little bit differently the part that's quite sensitive 
to loud noises, like all these things that she mirrors to me, I had to process. But not only that, she had to push me to stop running away. Like she had, like it had to be this situation where because of her particular needs and the pandemic, I couldn't escape anymore. And so I couldn't run away from my own trauma, basically. And I had to turn around and face it. And I remember there was one particular time she was in a, in a really difficult period and also exhausted, right? Because just processing the way she does exhaust her fundamentally. And, um, we haven't slept together, her and I, for, you know, years, um, because she's so, (laughs) she's so sensitive that, you know, having other beings in the room has been really difficult until recently, particularly me because of my energetics and my um, staff around postpartum and lots of stuff that's since what I've been digesting and processing. And so she was completely exhausted and she'd just been in a, in a an enormous overwhelming um, meltdown and a sensory meltdown, not, a, not just an emotional one. And so um she kind of collapsed on my, and she must've been sick as well, which is always really difficult for her because she is feeling those sensations in her body as a hundred, not a 10. Right. So she lay down on my lap and went to sleep. And it was the first time that it happened in, in, in a couple of years, I reckon, since she was probably two before we had now at least. And, um, and ever since then, and, and I just surrendered, like I just gave up, I just gave up the fight, stopped trying to run away, stopped seeing it as this battle between my needs and her needs. And ever since then, every single day we meditate together and, um, and she falls asleep on me. And it's like this extraordinary healing thing because of what that's doing for my own inner child, um, and then what it's doing for her as well and her nervous system. So, yeah, so that was really hard. Yeah, I, really hard. So many meltdowns we could uh, we could have a offshoot. And trauma. There's so much trauma, you know. Yeah, I was going to say we could have a parallel podcast series on mm. um, top 10 meltdowns of 2020. My um, own included. Oh, mine included. <laughs> There's a lot of seasons you could spin into. Um, but I was going to say, yeah, I was just reflecting then on that nap that you two have together pretty much each day now. She wasn't napping. You know, she'd sort of, she's exhausted, but she was fighting naps so much most of last year. And ever since you two have been doing the sleeping together one yeah it's restorative in sleep and a break but two she's getting the connection with you that you know she Mm. was craving like she was fighting for so much as well Mm. and just just such a you know not not a doing anything connection just a being together connection Mm -hmm. which is the i guess the deepest isn't it yeah and i think it's you know it's it's hard for me to even have this conversation because it, it, it brings up an enormous amount of shame of how I couldn't meet her like that before. And I want to caveat it and say like, I'm actually really bloody good parent. And I am, I'm a really, I'm a really great mom. And at the same time, there was levels of, uh, unprocessed stuff in my own system that just made it not possible to be with that intensity, um, at that level for that long. Mm. 
Um, and I feel like my capacity is, is really a lot greater depending on a whole range of factors. But yeah, I can be there and, and I can be in the house. Remember, like I used to just have to get out of the house and I have so much reverence for that. And I, and I don't need advice. I don't need fixing, you know, I just, uh, it was what helped me survive through that period. And, and I still am an, am an awesome mum out on adventures. And this year I really learned that I can be at home really safely. I can meet whatever they're going to come to me with. And that's, um, that's because parts of me are now feeling safe you know, parts of my inner one are feeling safer, which is really beautiful. So that was a big one. Um, overlaid with that, there's been this question ever since Nell was born about, um, will we have another baby or not? And I knew literally within minutes of her being born that that would not be my last birth. And it's interesting because other women who I've talked to say the precise same thing that it happens like at the moment of birth of the previous child, which I just find extraordinary, like what that is, like what, like where that comes from. I'm just so fascinated about that. Um, because it's not like a, a hope. It's like a knowing it's like a deep guttural primal knowing. And what do you do with that when, you believe in regeneration, you understand deeply climate issues, you also understand your capacity, your physical health, the physical health and capacity of the family. And I think I spent most of 2020 torturing myself with that question. And I say that because it was not, um, I was not dancing with that question lightly. It was with me through most of 2020, lots of big discussions with you one month where we thought we were pregnant and then I had a chemical pregnancy, you know, so it's been, it's been a really big journey. Like you getting to a yes in that was huge. You fell through a shed roof and then you decided that you were there. Like it's been, I, I mean, it's probably shed. a whole nother podcast episode and look, we're not actively trying and we don't know. Like, I really don't know. I know what I desire, but I don't know if it will come to fruition. And at the same time, I think I'm okay with that, which is a really big relief from where I've been most of this year. Um, there's also within that, this, this thing about, I was a third child and I was an accident and the, the deep shame core that I carry was you know, the most primal level, instinctual level, cellular, cellular memory of the shock of my parents finding out that I was coming, um, that is embodied in me. Right. And, um, having to process that, that I think is why there is so much hesitation and anxiety about this decision, because in a way I've always felt like I was the one that broke my mum. And that's been the story and the trope in our family, which is just the story of trauma and shame that's just passed down. That we, we blame our children for our own overwhelm. Um, but that sticks. It sticks. And I think that moving into the later half of this year, there's been some really healing conversations with my dad, with my therapist, with you about how my being here is actually quite extraordinary um, because he'd had a vasectomy and, um, 
I literally was life finding its way, you know, and, and that reframe has been so helpful in the context of this conversation. But look, I've done everything this year. I've done womb, everything that I thought I needed, every hoop I thought I needed to jump through in order to be worthy of that I've done. And now we just have to wait. (laughs) Probably we just have to see if the stars align and less coordinating of those stars I think what are you what are your reflections on that yeah I, I mean because you've watched me like torture myself with this all yeah yeah I mean the way you're talking about it it's you know there's no um oh, I don't think there's much um uncertainty about the biology of us conceiving although like, I, I know you there's know. Sort of, you know there was one issue or there's been a couple issues this year but um you know I I don't have any sort of hesitation about that um based off our previous track record and I think when when the time's been right for us it's you know it's it's happened Mm. um so it's more about the innate feeling within us as individuals and within the family as a collective um, and those stars aligning, and yeah, I I'm really optimistic mm. that, um, and you don't you don't know what's around the corner, but the path we're on is, um, coming out of last year is, I think a really healing path for all of us, um, and I think it's. You know, we're we're getting in place the um, the uh, I don't want to say resilience. It's the it's the inspiration for you know conceiving life and for bringing life into the world. And it it needs to be an incredibly um, motivating and. Um, you know, miraculous sort of feeling that you want to have. And, you know, I feel like that's, that's where we're getting to. Mm. Um, so, and, and, you know, that's, that's true of me, you know, obviously your journey's been, um, well, it's, yeah, it's been up and down last year. It's been really hard. And, you know, I've not been a particularly great enabler of that, last year um because when we were having conversations it was you know when um you know when things were at a boiling point of emotion and you know it wasn't it's something that as you were saying earlier with our t3s b3s every night it just it wasn't on my radar on a day-to-day basis and it was on your radar Mm. central in your radar every moment of every day Mm. um and the only time i was becoming aware of that was you know when you know when it was at a tipping point really Mm. um and that's my sort of ignorance and lack of sort of um deep self-reflection and sort of consciousness about my experience and your experience um as much as anything so Mm. That was a rambling answer. Um, Didn't even ask a question, did I? 
Uh, I did. I said, "What was your take on it?" Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's it's interesting to hear you talk about it because it's ah, it's just like it's just one of those things that we've been dealing with privately as well because these conversations aren't had in public. Like they're not had out there. They're how they're had in the sanctum of you know relationship because of the whole taboo about lots of this i mean there's the taboo of having a third child in a in a climate crisis there's the taboo of um wanting a child but not knowing you know what's going to happen there's the taboo of like um early pregnancy loss like like all of this stuff that's been happening silently you know and and i don't think i've um really talked about it publicly until until now so that's interesting I feel really good about talking about it I think that these times these liminal times when considering these big things is really important and and more than that it highlights for me all the ways that I tell myself I'm not worthy of something or I need to prove myself worthy of something and if I really focus in on the love the love of it it's a no-brainer but if if I'm focusing in on and I think we were in both in a pattern of purely because of our circumstance only being able to look at the evidence of why it was not possible and why it couldn't be possible um then that's the story that it will become right so I think I I want to change the story this year of um possibility um in lots of areas of my life and this has just shown me all the ways that I make myself jump over hoops in order to feel like I'm able to claim a desire uh when really like anything you build your capacity to meet what is there you can't possibly ever build your capacity fully it's like in business you know I was talking about it today um you build it by doing the thing you don't build it preemptively because it'll be an entirely different toolkit that's needed, you know? Mm. We come at these from different angles. I'm going to continue. No, I was just going to say, just quickly, that is a real gift of yours, though. Um, and it's something that, you know, I aspire to do more. And I think most people should aspire to do more because I don't think most people are, well, certainly most people I know, and maybe that's a self a reflection of self um you've always been incredible at you do the thing first and then that's how you learn how to do the thing Mm. you know i think about the social business we started in myanmar and i was like we need to register this we need to like hire this we need to write this document we need to like Mm. do this planning thing you're like no we'll just start doing it and that that's how it'll work and i was like Okay, let's let's try that. And yeah, yeah it's a real gift. So Thank I just you. want to jump in. Yeah, no, it's it's um appreciate it. Uh I wish I I wish that we could all give ourselves more grace at being beginners at things mm. and culturally that we could allow ourselves to be beginners at things because it's a it's it would make learning so much more enjoyable and that development of capacity so much more grace filled and 
yeah, it's just my own belief. I'm going to keep going. Um, I think they were the two big ones, other than what you've already touched on. On the positives from last year and then what I want to build this year, um, you know, I made more money in my business than ever. I doubled my income um, in the last 12 months and that was a capacity thing, I think, that I built it by doing it, built that capacity by doing it. Um, I made that decision or we made that decision about pulling the kids out of daycare because it just wasn't working. I'm really proud of that decision. Um, we're looking for a different constellation this year of supports and resourcing and um, so excited to be bringing people into the team probably before we're ready to help us build what we're trying to build here across our work with individuals and organisations. Uh, we really want to run like retreats for families and couples and, and so many things on the horizon that um, we can't be the parents we want to be, be in an intimate relationship in the way we want to run this extraordinary business without support and we both know that now and I think that I've talked about it so many times but the whippersnipper scenario of 2020 has been the ultimate highlight of like just a, a, a silly use of my time went out and bought like a $400 whippersnipper which we've used once and I whippersnippered the whole garden in the rain with this enormous beast of a whippersnipper and then I realized I was doing the calculations in my head of like what I could pay someone who really is good at whippersnippering and like does it really well versus how much I can earn an hour versus four hours away from my kids while they're screaming in the rain, like for me to come back. And it was like, yeah, that's the economics is out. And so transforming this belief of like, I have to do everything on my own. Like I'm so, I'm so damn ready for that in 2021, like done, done with the doing it all myself. And because I've done it all myself, right? Like I, there's, there's like, I know how to do it and I really want to give it to someone who loves doing it and wants to be part of what we're building. What are you laughing at? You laugh at my whippersnipper story. It's <laughs> a good story. <laughs> no, I was laughing just because I, I kind of still want to turn on the whippersnipper. I know. <laughs> and I, I acknowledge that it's a testosterone male ego thing for me. So I, I understand yeah, but then you do it and you hate it as you're doing it and you complain like for the next four days about having sore shoulders and uh i'm not i understand why <laughs> i understand the problems with the desire okay i'm laughing because you still the have desire the desire yeah so i'm really bloody proud of our garden hey like it's yeah, pretty it's magnificent at the moment and that was we grew everything from seed this year most things from seed or my mum did um we really have like three years in gotten enough good soil happening. Um, like we got a goat, we hand raised a goat, ducks, chickens this year. Like, you know, we've done, we've done some pretty amazing things around the house. We did an enormous like re re jigging of our space, renegotiating our space, which is, you know, I'm so excited about that module in regenerative life because it's always just so extraordinarily game-changing for everyone. Yeah. Renegotiating is a really good word for it. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. It, it is. Like, it is like you're, you're at a battlefront and <laughs> you have to negotiate a solution yeah. because things get so fixed in a living you know, in, in the spaces that you live 
It is really hard to change. Anyway. Anyway. That's a really good word. Yeah, thanks. Well done. Um, thanks. You should do this more. I should I should have a podcast. I'd listen. You'd listen. Um, I should just teach this stuff, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. Um, so I think other things to come out of this year, last year, and things I'm looking forward to about 2021, I'm looking at my vision board actually right now as we speak. Um, I am like my connection with the natural world is just exponentially increased this year not just being in it but connection like real connection belonging in being able to speak with have conversation with it's just really exponentially increased this year next year i'm looking forward to having that mirroring that with actual humans as well um uh, imagine yeah like more in-person connections um this year with people that we really love spending time with. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and doing things in sensory appropriate ways, just not huge overwhelming experiences, but like intimate small gatherings and retreats and like personal growth experiences of other couples that really get it and want to do this work alongside us. I'm excited about that. Mm. Mm. All really nourishing intentions. Yeah. Um, just wondering on the social connection thing, just super quickly, is there, um, do you feel like you've come out of the year craving more incidental, um, like social connection of any kind or are you like really craving deep connection? I'm really craving, um, like, did you miss not having to, like, keep up appearances? I missed it at the start. I missed incidental, like, daycare drop-offs and coffees and, like, whatever, you know, talking to the barista. Now I just miss sitting down with people that I love and asking them what their soul is doing. Yeah. And and, and social media is so unfulfilling for me for that, you know. Like, I, I struggle to not go deep, and just to keep everything surface level. Um, and I'm really craving that more is like, you know, I mean, you know me like in a, in a group, I can do groups really well, but I would much rather be with one person off to the side, like having a DNM, you know, that would be my preferred mode situation. Yeah. I guess it was the, we, we talked about it a little bit, but I've kind of forgotten about it when you can only do takeaway food or drinks, or whatever, you're you're physically being ushered out and the connection or the relationship that you're having or trying to foster is also sort of being ushered out and yeah. it's really it was really hard sort of state to be in well i think you and i both felt such grief about it because you at the heart of both of our work in the world and our intention our values and the thing that we is our shared meeting point is reconnection is connection and the extraordinary things that you see being placed out as reasons why we can't be together. Um, not reasons. Everyone knows the reasons. I'm not disputing the fact that there's a pandemic, that it's serious, all of that. But just like these weird slogans of like, stay apart to stay together. And it's like, no, can we just call this what it is? which is that the fabric of society is being torn apart, yeah. you know? And, like, 
I think what's been so hard about this last year that we haven't talked about is negotiating relationship in a pandemic when everyone is responding really differently and everyone is alleviating their fears really differently. I don't judge. I'm not judging anyone because I can see how everyone is responding. But what that is doing is creating divisions very, very deep. The vaccine will do the same, like very, very deep in society um, of separations that we were already fractured and now it's like we're literally being distanced from each other in every facet of life. Um, and I just, you know, from a from a from having a massive public health perspective, I just am staring down the barrel of the mental health pandemic that is going to be on the back of this pandemic and it's um, from a prevention standpoint it's the worst possible case scenario of what i think we're staring down the barrel of as a result of Mm. um of isolation and disconnection and i think that there is a also the flip side of that is that anyone working in spaces where you are facilitating connection of any kind is such an extraordinary opportunity and i think you and i are going to want to lead that like I'm looking at my vision board and one thing that says on it is rebuilding our lost connections and I think that's the heart of our work that brand everything we do and something that we're going to be working on within ourselves first and foremost regenerating that and then rippling outward hopefully that was a side rant but I just had to go there because I'd forgotten remember that first lockdown of like negotiating relationship of like how is everyone going to respond what's everyone's comfort level with discussing this stuff like how is everyone distancing like you know and we followed all the rules and whatever and at the same time we dropped things at people's houses but not everyone was comfortable you know even Mm -hmm. touching paper you know like there's all these things that require conversations that are uncomfortable and then when we came out of lockdown are we going to kiss are we going to hug are we going to you know those conversations that are awkward and uncomfortable but I think just the having of them is important. Mm. Yeah, it, it really, um, it really served to um, to force people to sort of be in relationship with people who are at the same, mm. or ex, you know, trying to experience the world in a similar way, and and that's we wherever a community is divided along in such a linear way across just similar group by similar group, um, you lose so much and it's so unhealthy. Mm, and You lose the diversity right yeah, in the soil, yeah. And it's, yeah, as you say, it's something that, you know, it's really motivating for us and has really crystallised, I think, the importance of, of this work and... Mm. And these conversations and um, yeah, it's exciting. Well, I think the extraordinary thing also is that, that that in the witnessing of the coming apart, we also witness so much coming together. And I remember, you know, crying tears of joy, like looking at what our community, how they were supporting local business, how they were showing up for each other. And, you know, that I think it's, it has been that there's been the very best of humanity to illuminate it as always, because there's always going to be cracks illuminated alongside extraordinary um, acts of kindness and humanity. And 
and of coming together in different ways. And I think it's worth, in the spirit of our T3B3, also highlighting that, right? Mm. There's, um, there's a lot of things from last year that we shouldn't keep and we need to do away with, but there are some things that we need to really double down on. And one of them, I think, is just the vulnerability that people were expressing and, and experiencing and you know the simple like how you doing question or how are you such a throwaway line 99 percent of the time but when you're in the middle of a global pandemic people you know semi strangers who i'm talking to on the phone were like sharing their life story with me of like how hard it is you know it's a real equalizer it is yes you're in a shared experience which is bonding in some way and that's that's something that we need to keep Mm -hmm. yeah we've gone way over our allocated 30 minutes i'm very nervous about the crepe situation but hey good chat i liked it yeah it was a good one one. should we do it again sometime uh this time next year yeah what's your word for 2021 simple Mm. what does that mean simple um it just means doing away with all of the, well, not all, but as much of the complication and things that aren't nourishing me in the ways that I want them to, um, and just focusing my efforts and energies on the most important things, and that's that's family. It's about doing important and meaningful work in the world and communities and people. Um, and and investing in our relationship. Mm. What I, about you? I prompted. I prompted that last one. What about you? Um, uh, I have three. Three words. <laughs> you, your one word is three words. Three words. Are they hyphened? Is it? I could make them into one hyphenated word. Uh, flow. You said we we're going over time. So flow, receive. I can't remember the third one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love. It's Uh, love. Oh, that one. Mm -hmm. Flow receiving love. They're nice. Thanks. I think they're nice. Okay. Chat soon. Bye. Bye.